And when they looked at the projections uh, in 2070, a third of the innovation needed to reach net zero doesn't exist today. Wow. And if you go to 2050, it's even a bigger number, meaning there is a role for innovation. Uh, so we don't have everything planned out right now. Hi, I'm Pratap Raju. I'm the founder of the Climate Justice Foundation, and you are listening to the Understanding the Future podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Puneet Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities at the National Institute of Urban Affairs and welcome to the Season 3 of Understanding the Future podcast. I have been working and studying in the field of sustainability and climate change for more than 8 years and I have realized that I have a lot of questions on how we can build cities in India that are more climate focused. With Understanding the Future podcast, I interact with experts, entrepreneurs and government officials to understand what it takes to bring all the different solutions to the ground, as well as how can systemic changes be developed on ground. We will further anchor all the topics being discussed with different skill sets required. This will help us understand the future of cities and future of work in Indian context. If you are tuning in for the first time, do check out our previous episodes. Also, don't forget to check out the Climate Practitioners India Network, a members-led solutions-oriented platform for climate practitioners across India. And join it through the show notes. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Season 3 of Understanding the Future. I am your host, Puneet Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities. And today we have with us Mr. Pratap Raju. He is the founding partner of Climate Collective. And today, he will help us understand about developing climate startup ecosystem. Welcome to the show, Pratap. Great. Thank you. It's great to be here. Startups are the new, like, it's not no longer even a buzzword. It's just just that everywhere and everyone's talking about it. A lot of things are coming up. But when, when, as an outsider, if you're looking at it, uh, what are the different things that needs to be catered to startup? Because as an ecosystem, uh, it's not that someone has an idea and they click it and uh, boom, in two years, three years time, it will just develop. So what are the types of support? Let's start with that. I think uh, then we'll come out to a lot of other things. But what are the different things that any startup will require to be able to thrive in any kind of ecosystem? Great. Yeah, it is. it does seem to be a buzzword here. Everywhere you turn, every policy, every tender. Corporates are talking about it. Uh, what is going on? And it is something that came to us very fast. I think that's the main thing. I, I want to share one stat uh, before going to what startups need. Um, the International Energy Agency, IEA, came out with a report about uh, net zero, um, yeah. reaching net zero by 2050 or 2070. And when they looked at the projections uh, in 2070, a third of the innovation needed to reach net zero doesn't exist today. Wow. And if you go to 2050, it's even a bigger number, meaning there is a role for innovation. Uh, so we don't have everything planned out right now. But startups do play a role there. I mean, it's not that um, corporates can't innovate. It's not that governments can't innovate. It's that innovation is tough. It takes yeah. risk-taking. It takes out-of-the-box out of thinking. And what we've seen oftentimes is, is, is uh, under-resourced, ill-placed, small teams working out of home doing amazing stuff that well-resourced, large institutions, corporate, seemingly have trouble doing. 
and it's a mixture of 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 um, risk taking due to hard work due to um, thinking um, uh, able to think differently in that environment, etc. So I, I do believe startups will play a big role, and I've seen lots of studies looking at how important, in particular, in energy uh, startups um, will play. Maybe even as much as a third of the transition to be led by startups, and that's an amazing thing to hear. Um, we wouldn't have said this 30 years ago. We would have said large engineering giants, etc. So uh, the first thing, uh, uh, what what do startups need before talking about support is they need to take risk. It sounds pretty straightforward and silly, but one of the things that we've seen in India over the last couple of decades is this increase in confidence. If you remember startups back 15 years ago, most people like still would take a job. There's still a stigma around this, like, you know, why would you not do a startup? No, why not get a good paying job? Today, that stigma is falling rapidly, right? And we, we are able to see this. Of course, I wish that it would be spreading beyond some of our major metros and our key institutions, um, the IITs, and that is happening. So I think the, the main thing we need is actually more startup entrepreneurs coming up. You know, yeah. we do as a, on the policy side, uh, look at support. But, uh, I remember my, when I started, I didn't get much support 20 years ago. I'm not trying to be, I'm not just being envious with the, um, yeah. the ecosystem today. People get grants. Accelerators, mentorship. But I would also say that despite that, you're more likely to fail than not. So it's a high risk venture. But I think one, one thing that we should do as a, from an ecosystem point of view is not talk about so much how to make startups thrive, but more how to get more opportunities to more people who want to take this generally perilous high risk path. Because it, a startup innovation does come out of numbers. It does come out of risk taking as opposed to these you know, deterministic paths to solving a problem. No, absolutely. I, I, I do agree. Like it's a, it's a lot of things and eventually, uh, and I, I've gone to forums as well where now people are trying to point out that mental health is one of the things that is quite important with startups. Uh, because when you have only one person succeeding out of 10, <laughs> for nine others, you need that kind of support. Uh, and that's that's quite a true factor as well, and especially with such a rat race going on everywhere. But coming to uh, one of the key, like risk is surely very high. Another is uh, finance. Now, quite like a lot of startups have started raising funds. Uh, they've started becoming unicorns in India as well. How do you see that kind of systems increasing and especially for climate because they require a very different kind of approach uh, in terms of financing and everything uh, so how how do you think those kind of startups can fare well in this ecosystem and what all things can be taken care of right right so if you asked me this question to me two years ago i would say what we all say about any hardship basically that the gestation period is quite long r and d takes more resources, uh, the sales cycle, because many hard tech solutions are often B2B or B2B sold to business or to government, not to consumers. Those sales cycles can be literally 18 months. So how to start survive this? So we had this view that, uh, well, we need specialized capital to come in, people who understand technical and the uh, uh, startup journeys of clean tech startups. Uh, and we do see some examples, for example, third derivative, uh, who I do have an association with, is a joint venture with Rocky Mountain Institute globally and Renzi Nexus. 
focused on hard tech in, in, in the climate, very specific niche, getting the right corporate partners, getting the right funding, etc. Now, I, as I said two, two years ago, I would have said this, and all of us would have, something amazing has happened over the last uh, two years, especially in particular last eight years in fintech is the amount of capital that's come into fintech has exploded from about $400 million globally uh, in 2013 to, I think, $60 billion last year. It's already one of the biggest wow. sources of capital. $60 billion is almost all of it is commercial capital, taking lots of risk that uh, I, uh, all of us are shocked by two or three years ago. Does this mean there is there's more than enough capital? Yes and no. There's always not enough capital. That's yeah. a general rule. Yeah. Uh, that's a nature of startups and innovation. Yeah. Given that climate tech, that's the wider term we use today to mean not just energy, but you know, alternatives, alternatives uh, to meet, to sustainable um, consumption, to climate and resilience and data, climate risk. We're just starting this journey. Um, we're yeah. talking about a decade or a decades long transformation of not just industries, but also ways that we consume. Yeah. You know, our consumption patterns our val- and our values there will be, um, uh, I believe it was the uh, CEO of BlackRock who just came out a few months ago famously saying the next thousand unicorns will be climate unicorns. Yeah. Whether true or not, the point is when we're talking about what we want and, and, and need, a transformation of industry, a transformation of how we think about consumption, we're talking about um, the need for innovation, you know, products and solutions across um, a whole bunch of domains. Yeah. And, as, and, and maybe... Maybe we're even though sixty billion is a lot. Maybe we're just starting. No, absolutely, that's that's quite true, and that's fascinating to see as well the amount of uh, money that's being pumped into the ecosystem. And uh, so let's again try to come down a bit to the basics on the lines of you. You mentioned that now the whole industry is called climate tech, uh, and when we are talking about uh, so let's try to define what are the things if someone's new to this ecosystem, what are different kinds of sectors are we looking at in climate tech? Uh, what can they expect? What is climate tech in general? That's a good question. You would think that after $60 billion coming in in just one year, this would be a, there would be universally accepted or generally accepted taxonomies. It is a challenge. Pick any startup that reduces, increases resource efficiency. Ola. Yeah. Uber, I always use in my workshop, I'm also a startup trainer. This yeah. is perhaps amongst our biggest circular economy startup. What do they do? They reuse existing stock, which are cars that are sitting idle, to provide a service, reducing the increase in the number of taxis produced, manufactured. Talk about a logistics company. Well, again, normally uh, logistics efficiency leads to less use of resources. Are these kind of startups? That's where the um, gray or vague boundaries come in. But maybe uh, more practically, what we're seeing today uh, is, um, you know, uh, initially started with clean energy. That's like you're talking about renewable energy technologies, how to make plants operate more efficiently, like solar and renewable plants. How do you schedule the power into the grid better? You know, how do you use less water and heating panels? Of course, the big boom globally is now uh, electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about the, the, the vehicles themselves, the charging stations and other kind of uh, um, retrofitting autos to make them EV autos, which is big and um, increasingly big in countries, for example, like Bangladesh, yeah. they're a leader in this in the region. 
beyond energy, we're talking about carbon. You know, uh, people are starting to figure out how to sequester carbon more. That's, that's normally larger projects. You know, we're seeing a slew of products, startups, um, how to use the carbon for new uses, for example. Great startup in our portfolio, uh, Carbon Craft, creates tiles, yeah. you know, from this capture carbon and, and looks to sell it to stores and others who could, who could resonate with these, these, um, climate positive, uh, tiles. That's, yeah. that's, that's the, normally when people think about climate, they normally think about the energy carbon side that's, it's tied, tied to, of course, climate change. Yeah. But a significant portion of startups we're seeing, especially in India, uh, and I think globally is around circular economy uh, and waste. Uh, plastic waste is 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 very fertile area. It's it's perhaps as in the order of magnitude today as becoming as big as climate change. You know, global warming. We're seeing solutions on the ground, whether it's by, of course, there's a standard uh, green entrepreneurship around recycling, recycling everything yeah. <laughs> from from agri waste to 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 other waste into eco friendly construction material you know uh, bricks to um, um, everything but we're also seeing a lot more uh, you know alternatives to meat so it just starts to get into consumption behavior um, uh, if we're seeing that interestingly in India as well one of my friends started this nice gelato chain called amore i don't know if you've okay. ever had amores one of the best gelato in yeah. the country, there's a quick plug plug for them, but they came out with a new product of vegan gelato, no oh. dairy, uh, and they passed all their taste tests uh, with their customers, and this could be where we see uh, a lot of innovation coming. We can go beyond to the, you know there's many other domains we see some are pollution, you know, like air pollution solutions, or whether it's monitoring, uh, indoor, outdoor. Um, um, we also are seeing increasing number of people looking at resilience. Resilience is a wide term, meaning how do we um, adapt to either changes in environment, let's say you know, prediction technologies. How do we yeah. predict landslides, something that we need in India today? It's, a, it's a, also a, a demand of the government to look for innovation here. The other one that's starting to come up, not yet in India, but it will come up given our, our strength in IT, is, is risk. You yeah. know, all our banks have tremendous risk exposure to climate. You know, rising sea levels to increase in natural disasters, extreme events, etc. This requires more technology to help people assess risk, both for their existing assets or portfolio, but also for for uh, decision making. You know, where where to give insurance cover is a global increasing global demand amongst uh, corporates and institutions. But we're gonna, we're starting to see people asking here in India as well. So you can see that climate tech goes beyond energy to a wide slew of Industries, domains, technologies uh, in today's world. Yeah, the, it's it's quite interesting to see the kind of startups uh, that cater to climate tech because some of them are very cost heavy uh, on the lines of if you're talking about renewable energy or logistics and stuff like that. But when you're talking about recycling and waste, uh, or as well as a lot of risk exposure that you're talking about, that's more on the backside of it it might not be directly too costly and luckily we had a uh, opportunity to uh, interview chakachar vidyut mohan uh, who won the earthshot prize as well as avilash apurva from uh, blue sky analytics and it's it's uh, it's amazing to see how things are developing on each end is the uh, like when we talk about it i'm 
coming to finance a bit early on again on these lines uh, i think is a lot of these things are going towards a model where you take it today pay it at a later stage or kind of do an emi option but in a different format is it going to be sustainable because sometimes these technologies are not properly uh, it, they are tested it's not that they are not tested but we don't know how long run they function so how does then the ecosystem try to cover up the risk right right good question uh, and and it's it's a fundamental problem of innovation not climate tech or or otherwise when i was a solar developer um we started at the beginning of national solar energy it was like 2009 we won our first tender it's a large 20 megawatt project and we were quite happy i think we converted to information in 2012 then we won another tender to to put solar on rooftops when the first safety tender rooftop program and we talked to business owners in Pune. This was yeah. 2013 and most said, "Wait, does this technology work?" You know, we were living in a world that there was about 40 or 50,000 megawatts of global. Yeah. Yeah, this, you know, this we had a I think a thousand megawatts on the ground generating electricity here and most did, uh, many, I don't know about most did not believe this was a, a tested technology. It was invented in 1950. This yeah. um monocrystalline solar technology, but okay. Two years later, or maybe at most three years later, almost at least industry changed their tune to something that you know was unfamiliar to becoming accepted. So when I think about innovation, I don't normally think about um, you know the perception uh, uh, okay. as it is today. I think about the key value drivers. Uh, that's one. That's one point. So it's always a challenge. Sometimes you mentioned Puneet, you know, this need to kind of, especially with this a capex uh, intensive uh, solution or product. Financing, and people yeah. are trying to solve this, you know, and that is important, especially we'll see, perhaps in the energy access area, where yeah. where capex is is a huge hindrance to to uh, taking, especially solar uh, related products that can save a ton of money immediately. You know, energy is a big component of people's uh, household income uh, in the rural area, uh, and the and savings like this immediately uh, change our yeah. impact life. Quickly and, and powerfully. Um, I think this requires, um, um, of course, a lot of ecosystem. We need policy, we need banks, etc. But I, I'll tell you, um, sometimes I've been in India about 20 years right now, and uh, some of the, some of the things I hear sometimes is that everything takes forever here to change. That's not what I've seen. I've seen like if I told people how attitudes to women working in 2000 versus 2020 in in you know in a generation. It's amazingly different, yeah. You know, and in fact, it happened probably in ten years, not in even twenty. If I looked at MySpace when I started electricity, if I talked to the average stakeholder in two thousand six, hey, do you think we can get you know uh, independent power producers generating significant amounts of new energy? They'd say no. This yeah. is this is a state-owned, um, you know, ecosystem, etc. And just a few years later, it happened. Sure. I, I think that uh, uh, our, our innovative capacity—not just startups, but the policy side, the the banking and financing side—is is quite impressive. Uh, it does require some coordination uh, in new areas, but I, I I think our confidence should be quite high that we have challenges today, but they but we will solve them. You know, and perhaps perhaps being an entrepreneur, I have to have hope. That's, that's the only way to be an entrepreneur, but. I do believe um, uh, things are moving in the right direction. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree that uh, there is still quite a good amount of hope uh, out there because how things are moving and how things are shaping up, uh, they sound and they look much more interesting now, uh, especially if, and not just from the climate tech angle, but other angles as well. That how uh, everywhere, because there is so much youth in our country, there is bound to new ideas and new thought processes that is going to come into the picture. So that that I'm always hopeful of about as well, and uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, I started this podcast. That uh, future of work is kind of key eventually to also understand that how things are going to move and uh, you know uh, converse to different things because right. fundamental skills might remain the same, but uh, they will change. Uh, its output will change with time. So uh, coming to the point of uh, you mentioned that yes. A lot of things are changing. A lot of things are looking good. But what are the key challenges does any startup face? And what are some of the ways in which ecosystem is trying to cater to this? Right, right. So we are a, a nascent ecosystem. Uh, let's say um, I did my first hackathon in Seoul in 2016. Maybe about 200 startups on the ground there in, in, in climate tech widely defined. Today, I think we're counting close to 2,000. And it is, it is the fastest, amongst the fastest growing sectors. And, and, and my estimate is about five years will be one third of all startups yeah. in India will be around climate tech. And in fact, I talk to people today who are not known to be climate tech incubators and I talk to them about, about their portfolio. And I remember one in, in, um, in Chennai telling me 100% of their portfolio has been in, in climate tech the last few years and nobody knows them as a climate tech focused program. Uh, I think this is happening on the ground, um, um, which is great. Now, that is normally what we see in nascent ecosystems, a supply side, people innovating, et cetera. And it, and it bubbles fast because that's the easiest thing to support, whether from the government side or just from our people, entrepreneurs' own volition to, to, to become entrepreneurs and look at a problem. We're at this stage now, I believe we're getting to you know, in certain areas, critical mass where we need to build the bridges to corporate. Now, yeah. uh, the climate tech ecosystem in India still is largely B2B or B2B is not so much B2C yet. Maybe that'll take a few more years. Yeah. Now, corporates, as as um, we know, as small companies, entrepreneurs are like fortresses. Right? Yeah. They're powerful. They're hard to, to breach in and build relationships because of many reasons, uh, well, you know, many valid reasons. This, this process of, of getting new innovation to corporates takes time. And that's where the sales cycle is very large. The, uh, um, I, we do talk to many corporates, almost all of them that we talk to want new innovation in climate change. Uh, today's, today's, uh, uh, world is in India. Everybody knows there's innovation out there. Their challenge is sometimes how do we do it? The search cost is very high on a uh, big uh, corporate and I get thousands of uh, applications or emails. How do I handle this? Uh, my open innovation team internally are just structured. Maybe it's a dual capacity. I'm all, I'm the head of R and D plus talking to startups, but I haven't resourced properly for the same. Um, these are like, uh, birthing things of, of, of building these bridges between corporates and, um, startups. The good thing is the interest is there. The good thing is piloting is starting to happen. In fact, we run um, several piloting programs in energy, plastic waste, etc., and we see more and more corporates uh, very interested. Uh, um, uh, perhaps our best-known uh, program is called Electron Vibe, 
it's a, uh, a program to connect energy startups to discounts uh, to keep energy. Something that uh, even three years ago, uh, people in the um, sector thought it was not possible to do. We got some early successes, some pilots going on in 2020, and it's grown since then uh, over the last few years, um, bringing in more discounts to come and look at startups, to look at um, building business cases with them and offering piloting opportunities. Yeah. I believe this is the missing link today. I don't think it's capital. I think the capital is coming. It uh, knows how to find attractive startups. The more we can get a piloting opportunities to business and to some, sometimes to government, the more everything works. But, yeah. You know, when I was a solar developer again, one of the things I heard was, I, I'm interested in solar, but let somebody else do it first. And I want to go see. This is, this is a yeah. standard kind of. Uh, problem, maybe it's a problem or, or structural aspect of innovation. You know, uh, early adopters are few and far in between. The more we can build those bridges to early adopters, I, I do believe the mass adoption or, or increasing adoption will, will follow naturally. And the capital is there. In fact, uh, we're in a case that wasn't like 15 years ago. We have, we can mobilize today globally into India and also within India capital quickly within, let's say, two years once there are Exciting signals coming from you know uh, a domain or or a sector in China. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, quite uh, true, and I think that's something that needs to be taken into account as well. And uh, so coming to one of the next things uh, that I feel is also quite interesting to watch around in the ecosystem is that how behavior shifts are happening towards this whole thing. That and. How is it possible? Like, because there is constant disruption of behavior. Like, every startup comes with a, a new technology which tries to disrupt something or the other. Are uh, people going to be able to stick to something, or are we constantly going to adopt, 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 or adapt, adapt, adapt? Right, right. Uh, that and that is that is challenging. I don't think it's as much a challenge in climate tech as of some of the consumer internet solutions. Yeah, right. Because uh, oftentimes. You know, um, cultural traits may be hard to discern and they may change quickly. I mean, Facebook was not the first social network by far, you yeah. know, you know, for example, in climate tech, what I think we're going to have more natural business dynamics. Like if a solution can solve a problem, let's say, uh, one problem for a renewable energy solar wind plants is schedule, scheduling power into the grid, something that's, um, regulations increasingly pushing for and penalizing if it's not done properly, yeah. those solutions that are adding value will be picked up faster uh, by yeah. by industry. You know, there may be other innovations, but I think, I think especially because um, it, on the business side, if you solve something and you get it 90% right, the challenge yeah. is not how do we get a perfect solution, it's how do we get that 90% solution onto the ground. <laughs> and again, a solar example is, yeah. is the reason why we, we accelerated in, in India was not because the technology changed very fast. In fact, in the uh, 2000s and all, we had organic solar cells and a whole bunch of innovative yeah. solar cells. The one that one was largely the 1950s monocrystalline crystalline technology. It's the innovation on finance. It's the policy innovation that came in, right? There could be better technologies. And in fact, we see a lot of solutions coming today saying, I can do it better than crystalline technology. But it's not the only, from a client point of view, I trust that if I buy a, a crystalline technology, the financing is there. I yeah. know what to expect. I have a lot of 
ecosystem that's trained to understand how to handle technology and hopefully clean the disposal as well. So yeah. I think in climate tech, what we may see, especially B2B, is more traditional. I've solved the problem. I've demonstrated it. I'm able to market it well. And I grow its sales, you know, yeah. as, uh, you know, door by door, which I think uh, um, probably uh, doesn't mean they won't get displaced. It just means that maybe uh, our challenges in the first part of it is how do we find that value, create it, and figure out a way to replicate it rather than uh, worry about competition too much. Yeah, and I, I like the point about uh, how, how we need innovation in not just uh, technology, but it's also financial policy. And that brings up uh, my next question. Like, uh, There is a lot of policy push that is... Uh, that does exist in the market. There is a lot of ways in which that facilitation is trying to come into picture. What do you think about that as well as what do you think can be done uh, apart from what is already happening around to make sure that this ecosystem can sustain itself in a way uh, to have more and more uh, entrepreneurs coming into it as well as more and more innovation taking place and not just on technology but also on systems and processes side. Right. Well, um, no, that's a good question um, because we do need more. Uh, as I mentioned, transformation across industry and consumption is a big, tall order. Uh, I do work in other countries in South Asia. We work quite a lot in Sri Lanka, Maldives, Nepal, and also in, in parts of Africa. Uh, India is blessed in one way. Um, we started off, you know, only about 15, 17 years ago in startup world startup ecosystem or we built a, a large amount of um, infrastructure. There's incubators everywhere. There's understanding amongst more policymakers about um, what does it mean startups. There's been experimentation. There's been bad policy. There's been better policy that's refined over time. You know, all this is, is, is actually something we kind of take for granted. But when I work in other countries, it's, it's almost like um, um, starting from scratch, even though the wealth of of experiences literally, you know, a hundred kilometers away in a neighboring, neighboring country. Yeah. Now, having said that, uh, how, what we can do better, um, there are certain areas in particular, um, in our programs, what we stress is that give us a, let's create a value proposition that is, let's say, particularly for business that's based on a monetary value proposition, right? Yeah. Let's not assume there's a climate benefit. That's an out, output or outcome of scaling up a product that helps the client uh, make money or, or strengthen their market position. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's normally what the poor private clean tech startups look at. You know, they help their clients become stronger. It's not a CSR activity and oftentimes you move to a different uh, part of the corporate, the CSR team, not the operations team. Yeah. But it's the operations team is where you can really scale both your products as well as the impact you create. Yeah, so innovation and policy side uh, of it, that what are new things can come yeah. up So in many areas, it's happening naturally, especially in energy, in there are certain aspects of EVs, uh, because it's a it's a strong value proposition to clients today. In uh, other areas, like especially in waste, we do need the right signals, uh, regulatory environment to, to push change, because as you know, a lot of waste, has a lot of, um, is, is, is driven by, or it results in, in negative externalities, meaning it's done, uh, it's bad for everyone, but it's not being captured these costs by the polluters. So where we could, we could see help, uh, come in and, and this could be a virtuous, uh, relationship is having policy push 
uh, corporates to think about ways ways more responsibility. That's what like EPR, extended producer responsibility, and the evolving regulations are pushing towards. I think the role then of of, uh, of startups then is to then reduce the costs to comply, increase the even the opportunity. There are increasing uh, value streams that come out of waste. And that the more that these options are given to uh, corporates, the more that they're more likely to easily as well as uh, accept these these, these um, changing re- regulatory environments. So there are definitely areas that we we should think about climate tech uh, not as a, uh, a term, but uh, as a single domain, but a mix of domains. In areas like uh, wastewater, uh, waste, um, in, in these areas, we do still need regulation. But, the, but innovation can support that. In fact, one of the themes we use is that uh, uh, for the for the role of startup is to make these paths to sustainability easier for adoption, whether they re- lower costs, whether they make it easier for, for acceptance or create social cues in the case of uh, B2C, business to consumer startups to, to, uh, uh, to take advantage of you know, uh, social networks or, or, or network effects. Now, and, and by making these paths easier, people should voluntarily take up the solutions. I mean, nothing beats voluntary adoption if it's in your interest you know, as a business or a consumer um, to make something sustainable. No, absolutely. I, I, I do get it that eventually uh, somewhere, uh, when, I, when I look at climate tech in general or ecosystem, somewhere it's all about resource efficiency leading to lower costs in long term, which is as bun- fundamental any business can be that you want to utilize as less resources as possible at the lowest cost possible right there's 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 not much change around that ecosystem that it's just that now somewhere because we have a good amount of emphasis on climate change and that needs to be caught up with the whole uh, everything that's happening around us that needs to be catered to as well uh, so that's something that I feel is quite important. Uh, so coming to one of the last questions that we asked everyone is on the lines of you now st- uh, startups and climate tech is quite a elaborate set of things that we can do. But on the terms of skills, let's uh, define it in hard and soft skills. Uh, what would someone need to develop an ecosystem of such sorts? What would someone need to develop this kind of institutions of such uh, sort? Right, right. This is a good question um, because um, um, we're a nonprofit that focuses on ecosystem development. It really is. Uh, we do even have a, a climate startup school that focuses on getting more people to take up climate entrepreneurship as well. Yeah. I'll give you a quick story. Um, it's a funny story. Um, I was in. Uh, I moved to India 20 years ago, and about 18 years ago, I was in this um, this restaurant in Carter Road. And this guy was serving soup, and and he saw some insects in the soup, right? Yeah. And uh, um, uh, we asked the waiter to come, and he literally took out the fly or insect with his hand and said, "There's nothing there." And it's uh, the most shocking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, not because he was trying to save himself a you know a dish and not get in trouble with the manager, but the understanding, the implicit understanding of marketing, right? I, and now, when I look at the breadth of skills we have in India, and I grew up in the U.S. about the first 25 yeah. years, it's not the technical skills. I don't think anyone is um, uh, as good or, or, or much better in many areas of engineering, 
application that is not not the technical side. It's the marketing side. So when I when a lot of people come to us in our programs that we've taken hundreds and hundreds of startups in our accelerators and, and even thousands in our various programs, what's missing is is the fear or what is there is the fear of talking to customers. You know, a natural entrepreneur is someone who says, you know what. I, I don't know what I have, but let me go ask, talk to someone who could be interested and find out more. Now, yeah. most people in the startup world say, let me spend years to perfect something, right? Yeah. And then I'll have the confidence to come out. Part of the reason is a lot of our entrepreneurs are young. And that is, uh, you can see a correlation between older entrepreneurs here versus younger. They'll start to talk to uh, customers much earlier, embed more customer research into their product development, their ideation. Uh, and of course, their validation is testing various things of who's interested um, in the solution. Where should I spend my marketing budget? Uh, all these things, um, experienced entrepreneurs generally around the world in India, uh, experienced industry professionals uh, do get. Yeah. So I would say if uh, it doesn't come out too much when I see kind of recommendations, I would recommend a much more uh, focus on the uh, marketing side. Yeah. Uh, of, of entrepreneurship. The technical side will happen. We have a natural bent to solve things, to find ways to build, uh, and find those resources that exist. But, uh, the, uh, we do have a high failure, failure rate here in India, uh, in kind of tech and in a lot of tech spaces. And it's, I think it's this gap. It's a big bridge to go from a great technical product to a startup, which is a business, which has to be customer centric. Mm -hmm. No, that's, uh, I think, uh, that's, that's, Key fundamental, and I think that is one of the learnings that I have also had uh, with a failed venture that I have uh, in the solar space as well. So uh, that's something that's quite key, and that's something which is always important. That how much do you know your customer, and what do they actually want? If you can't provide them, it's not going to sustain uh, whatever you try to do. But yeah, thank you so much uh, for this. And uh, if I have missed out on any things that you would like to cover in developing this ecosystem, uh, please feel free to point it out. No, I think it's great. And I do love um, um, the podcast. And, and, and I do believe one of the things we could do more is, is spread the message, you know, the importance of climate. There there are thousands or tens of thousands of, of potential climate entrepreneurs that, that can want or should come out in the next few years in India. We need them all. We need them experimenting. So this work is really good that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pratap, for your time and sharing your knowledge about how can we create this ecosystem. Great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and follow us on all social media channels. For more details about the Climate Center for Cities and registration on Climate Practitioners India Network, click on the link in the show notes. The episode is conceptualized and produced by Punit Gandhi. A big thank you to the whole team at C-Cube and NIUA for supporting the development of the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.